0: Welcome to Leader to Leader with Pastor John Bailey. Uh, I am back here again with... Pastor Joshua West. I'm taking the first few weeks of this podcast as we're developing it. And I want I want those that are listening to kind of uh, get to know some of our main leaders here at World Challenge. Uh, they will intermittently be using them over the years as we do this podcast. And then we're also going to have people uh, that are a part of the World Challenge family extended, uh, the Pastor Carter Conlins and Tim Delinas and uh, just other great friends that we have. And then we also want to extend this podcast to places outside our four walls we really believe that this podcast is something to really help leaders to fulfill their calling we want to move of God in the days that we live and so this is uh, this whole network that we're doing Joshua is about seeing God move in the days that we live amen amen so um, uh, welcome uh, with us today
1: Glad to be with you.
0: Yeah, so good. So today we are going to focus on making biblical disciples. If you didn't catch last week, uh, we talked about walking through addiction, uh, both for uh, both for Pastor Joshua, and then also ha- how to lead people in addiction. So today is going to be a little bit more of a general discipleship. Um, I it is my feeling, and I think many others uh, would would also have the same uh, understanding. I feel like that one of our greatest problems in the church in America is our lack of discipleship making. I think that we have settled to have people engaged to a certain level, uh, that one of the words and I have used it in church as well. So it's not a condemnation for using the word connect. Uh, and we want everybody to be connected, but connected is not discipleship. Connected means that you're happy in the church. Great, great enough. But real discipleship connection is a part of that, but it goes much further than that. And so today we want to talk about making biblical disciples. Uh, Pastor Joshua has worked with this; it's been an area of of, of his over the years. And I think he had we have a lot to to learn from you. So I want to just start at the place I think it's important. So how a person comes to Christ that first time that they make a decision. Jesus did not say. Uh, make converts. He said, make disciples to teach all nations everything that I've commanded. But it's important how you plant the seed in the ground. So, uh, could we just start at this place of going when a pastor or leader is uh, seeing converts come to know Christ? What are some elements that you feel like that at times we perhaps miss, or some things that we need to focus in on as we're making disciples? What are some important elements uh, for ministry and leaders to make sure that we're doing it the biblical way? I think one of the most um, important
1: things, and, and this isn't a criticism of, you know, like Billy Graham crusades or anything like that, because God used those greatly. But I think a sort of culture was born out of that of Christian decisionalism you know it's almost like we're getting someone to recite a prayer to a God they may or may not want to know and have no desire to follow and we're okay with that and then we wonder why um, you know the church is weak and shallow or, or not growing in a healthy way and I think I think it's there's no criticism when I talk about the salvation prayer I've led many people in it I think it's very very important but I think we often present it as the beginning and the end, un- maybe even unintentionally, yeah. instead of realizing that, that we're, you know, and there are going to be people that make false professions. You know, Jesus told us there are going to be people that that uh, that say they want to follow Jesus without actually counting the cost. But we, we shouldn't even worry about that. We, we, we have to introduce salvation as an introduction to a new life, to a new way of living, to um, a, a new, and, and I think it has a lot to do with making sure that people understand that Jesus is Lord, that he is the King of Kings. We're, and so I think one of the biggest things that we've seen in the church, and especially in the, excuse me, in the West over the last, you know, 60 or 70 years is, is a sort of overcorrection from legalism. Like there was a time yeah. where you probably didn't feel welcome in the church. You didn't have the right haircut. There were the lost people weren't, Weren't really. We didn't want them. We want them to get converted, cleaned up, and fit a certain bill before we invite them in the church. Yeah, like
0: everything was external. <laughs> like if you if you looked apart, and you know uh, you have a, a wife and two point two kids <laughs> right. or whatever. Like, well, you're a good Christian man. Which those are all outward things, and and Jesus always wants to get to the heart. Definitely. Yeah.
1: And so I think I think the overcorrection is is that we want to make salvation so accessible to people that we don't we don't really talk about some of the maintenance of it. And I think the three that I think are the most important if if we're going to really use that as a sort of entryway into Christian discipleship is we have to present the gospel where God is holy, where sin is grievous but that grace is beautiful and powerful and to overcome sin. So it's not that Jesus is kind of all right with sin. It's that sin is is damning and sin, sin is the wages of sin is death and God is holy. But Jesus came to save sinners. I think that simple sort of distinction is missing a lot of times and people unintentionally, we talk about grace. We talk about grace. We talk about salvation. I, I made a joke one time. It's almost like we say that we're, people are being saved, but we don't want to tell them what they're being saved from.
0: <laughs> I, if, I, if you don't mind my no, interrupting, we are, interrupt. listen, both of us are grace preachers. <laughs> yeah, And, you know, people say, well, hyper grace listen, I am hyper grace saved because I was hyper lost and I hyper need Jesus. So now now the one correction I put into that is I think that there's a false understanding of grace. That some people perpetuate an idea that grace is like, oh, you just say a prayer and no matter what you've done or where you're at or what you know, what you love or don't love or how you walk or what your attitude is towards God, it just doesn't matter because grace covers everything. Well, that's not really accurate. I so, this a false misunderstanding of what grace is. Uh, but great, like to say, great, uh, we completely believe in the grace of no, God.. About and, it. I, and I and I know that we agree on this issue is that you can't really understand God's grace if you don't understand how bad your sin is, That's right? Because the more that you understand how bad your sin is and what an offense it is to a holy God, then you can truly understand what he saved you from. So your understanding of grace is so much more powerful.
1: No, I completely agree. I think when we when we when we minimize the holiness of God and the grievousness of yeah. sin, we simultaneously diminish the value of grace because mm. where sin abounds, grace abounds all the more. So it's not it's not a legalism. It is the beauty of the fact that we are saved and justified before God sheerly on the base of what christ has done but people who are truly being saved by grace are not indifferent towards god and i think that's sort of what gets perpetuated it's like almost like you can go and do you and live your life and and just live apart from god um, but as long as you recited this prayer you've got the grace of god and i think i think the thing that i always like to say is that christianity is not a workspace religion but it is an evidence-based religion. And so the works that we do and the the changed life that happens in sanctification is evidence that God's doing something in us. And I think that's where it gets tricky because sometimes you know we, we wanna draw hard and fast lines about who's where and what's what. And it doesn't really work that way you know, typically, because there will be people that depart the faith that we, we thought, man, it seemed like they were really living for God. Uh, and there may actually be people that have come into saving faith, that their lives are jacked up. And we <laughs> think, I mean, I think people probably looked at me when I was first a Christian and said, is that due to Christian? But what they didn't know is that my heart had changed. I yeah. was repentant of my sins. And that even though my life was still it wasn't really bearing a lot of fruit yet yeah. um it, it it was on the way to cuz my heart posture towards god changed
0: yeah and that's what i think that that's really important what you're saying because it really it because i think that discipleship making churches cannot be legalistic churches because that it, it just doesn't work i've been there i've seen it it just doesn't have the effect that we think you know here's the you know, 2,500 things that a good Christian doesn't do. Well, nobody can measure up to that. Right. So it's so powerful to have this imputed righteousness Mm -hmm. that comes fully from the grace of God that I add nothing to the equation. It is only by the blood of Jesus. Amen. (laughs) And at the same time, there needs to be this growing posture of how we work through that. So it gives you this grace that covers as you're walking through to be conformed to the image of Christ. And listen, honestly, I I don't know what your frame of reference or uh, you know uh, understanding of the scriptures are. Everybody has some slight nuances and right. differences. But listen, every day from now until the day that I die, I fully need the grace of God. None of us completely arrive. So we are all a work in progress. But if you're going to make disciples, it means that you're taking people that are the addicted, that are the woke, that are the, you know, have all the issues, transgender, whatever it is. They are going to have their issues. And if we can't, if we can't love them and show them the grace of God, we'll never get them to the place that they can grow as a fruitful Christian. Yeah. And so that grace of God understanding the holiness of God and the offense that sin is, now it gives them a pathway to start growing.
1: Yeah, no doubt about it. I think, you know, legalism, and it comes in so many different forms. I think legalism is something so easily added back to the church because I really feel the human heart is bent towards legalism. We want to feel like we're contributing. Um, You know, pastors, even who understand the grace of God, sometimes preach legalistically because they want to, um, you know, no one's ever been scared into obedience, either where our heart has changed or hasn't been. But I think legalism, really, you have two kinds of people in that camp. You have people that are, uh, if you really think that you can live up to God based on works, you're you are going to have one of two things. You're going to either feel, um, you're going to be the honest person who lives in despair. Mm. Because you're you're realizing that you're not living up to it, um, and that's that that's a good condition if in fact it causes us to turn to the grace of Christ. But a lot of people just live in that place. Like, am I saved? Am I not saved? You know, I, I yelled at my wife today, but yesterday I didn't. And so I think we're we're that sort of tallying up of things is not healthy. On the opposite side of that is the people who are actually deceived into believing they are living up to it, right? And and they may not say that they're sinlessly perfect but they almost kind of imply it and you know you have to be blind to do that and the grace of god destroys both of those things because and I think when you talked about all those groups of people that, you know, sort of hot button issues, you know, transgenderism, wokeism, drug addicts, all these sort of things. I think the thing that we, the reason why we um, try to deal with those different things in different ways is because we we don't get the the first thing right. And that is salvation is about regeneration. Amen. Jesus said, listen, you can't enter the kingdom of heaven unless you're born again. And so we have to believe when we preach the gospel, yeah. that that the person the the person that's sitting there who casually brushes God off in his middle class life, he didn't hate God but he's just kinda like yeah, indifferent towards him. He's just as damned as the guy that's living in this horrible, abominable, open, unrepentant sin. They're both in the same condition. And so, because we realize that the solution is the same for both of them, and then that gives us a right path to discipleship. It all starts with regeneration, and that regeneration is sheerly on the grace of God. The the longer I've been a Christian, the more I realize I desperately need grace.
0: (laughs) Yeah. So, I mean, and elements that are there is uh, faith, which well a lot of us talk about that regeneration, that you know being born again, which is the work that God does. It's not you know we believe, but that is the work that He does. But then there's this there's this other word in there that we don't use in the church a lot which is repentance, right? and I feel like that it has become a dirty word in the church, like, you know, well, that's going to be offensive. If you say repentance, you know, it just sounds like you're legalistic, but repentance is such a crucial part to the equation, not necessarily just turning away, because I'm a big believer in this. Repentance is not just turning away from sin. The, the, that is what legalism is. Repentance, first and foremost, is turning to Christ. Right, and then when you turn to Christ, He gives you the power to turn away from the sin. So, re, so when you get repentance right, it has a powerful effect in you believers.
1: I totally agree with you. I think one of the biggest things we forget about sin is the believer and the non-believer both sin. The mm. difference is, is once you're truly repentant and in repentance, your heart, God changes your heart, you're born again. Um, it's not that I stopped sinning all of a sudden, but the sin that I used to love, I now hate. Yep. And, and, and yes, I still have fallen into patterns of sin. And yes, as God was sanctifying me and changing me, but I think the most important thing, every Christian, especially those who struggle with a legalistic mindset need to hear about grace is this. You'll be being, you'll be In the continuous process of being sanctified Mm -hmm. over the course of your life that doesn't mean we will be the same my life doesn't look the same i'm not a perfect person but it doesn't look the same as it did 18 years ago right but i'm as justified I will be as justified the day I die as the day I gave my life to God Amen. because it's on the grace that was afforded to me through the sacrifice of Christ. So the the fact that my life is being conformed to the image of Christ through Christian discipleship, through the washing of God's word, through all of those things, I'm looking different, I'm changing. I mean, we can look at the disciples and see Peter, the, the Peter that we see, that boneheaded guy who's you know <laughs> doing all this crazy stuff, we see a much more seasoned, calm, grace-giving person in his epistles, but, but, but he was as justified the day he turned to Christ as he was the day he died. And
0: that's what we have to really find our surety in. Amen. You know, as a pastor, I've said that so many times, I, I came to Christ in jail like you did, but the day that I, I gave my life to Jesus in jail, I was just as justified and right in God's eyes because of the blood of Jesus and yeah, thank God I've been able to uh, be a youth and young adult pastor and uh, pastored and planted churches and uh, been a missionary and all of those things. But not, not, none of that adds one bit to my salvation. And I never look at it as like, God, look what I did for you. It's always, Jesus, look what you did for me. And now I'm just living a life by faith. So if you can get new converts to really catch that and walk in that, that, is a, that will have a powerful effect in making true biblical disciples. The biggest
1: distinction that you just said, I just wanted to read the scripture. Um, we all know it, Ephesians chapter 2, mm-hmm. uh, but starting um, in verse uh, 5, it says, even when we were dead in our trespasses he made us alive together with Christ by grace you have been saved and raised up with him and seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus so that in the coming ages he might show his immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus and here here's the big distinction where where works is is completely put aside but good works are talked about he says for it's by grace you've been saved through faith this is not of your own doing it's it's a gift of god not as a result of works so that no one may boast for we were we are his workmanship created in christ jesus for good works, which Christ prepared beforehand that we would walk in them. So Amen. you don't obey God to be accepted by him. You obey God because you have been accepted by him. You yeah. didn't plant churches so that you can say, look, God, I did some work for you and now you accept me. No, because of that assurance of being accepted by God, surely due to the grace of Christ, you want to share it with the world. And I think that's something you know that I would ask you as a person who has, pastored churches planted churches been a missionary been a young adults pastor where do you think that disconnection is between um walking in good works like that christian discipleship Mm -hmm. where we spur people on to go preach the good news and what we see in, in a lot of the modern church, which is really more about cramming people into a building. I guess my question is, is why, where do you think that disconnection is between those churches that can amass a lot of people and those churches that are, that are sending
0: people out to make disciples? Yeah, you know, it feels like in the church and, you know, we, we talk about this a lot. It's one of the reasons that we're doing this podcast and this platform for pastors and leaders, but. It seems like you have these polar sides of the church, and, and one side is very legalistic. If you're going to have holy people, you got to get the law, got to lay it down. This is what's right. That's what's wrong. Do it. And if you don't, then you're not really a Christian. Moralism. That's moralism. And that is a, that is a, a great fatality. The other, the other side is just get everybody in the room that we can get. Uh, you know, hey, why don't you give Jesus a try? we got great coffee bars. We get, Bounce houses are incredible. And nothing against bounce houses or coffee bars. But when the church becomes so geared uh, towards those things, and then the, the dumbing down of what a disciple is, I think that what you do is you have these two realms, this church growth realm and this legalistic. And I think that they're both traps. And I think that when you, and this is why this discussion is so important, is that when you can narrow down and get these things right, when the seed goes into the ground, we want to see trees that produce fruit. That's why we plant seeds. But the the seed has to go into the ground correctly if you're going to see the grapefruit. And, you know, thank God, like yourself. I've seen God bring a lot of fruit over my life and ministry, but it's not because I'm special, not because I'm a great orator, it's because we get the message right. And when the message gets right and you get these things in order of what salvation and what works are and how they flow, and you can explain that to people and help them to catch it, it really brings a freedom in their lives. And so I would I would really encourage any pastor or leader that's out there, if you can get this message right in the beginning, it will set up for the steps that follow, which brings me to my next question. So now we get the we get the seed planted and we get the gospel preached the right way and people with an understanding of salvation. Now, what are the elements of discipleship that you feel like, um, will help people to grow in an environment that they can really be true disciples? I think I think one of the things that
1: really to kind of go back on your last point, the idea of you know gathering people in being creative, all that sort of stuff I've written a lot of uh, academic critiques of the seeker sensitive movement, not mm-hmm. saying that being seeker sensitive is bad, but this particular methodology and, and and my argument always was if we did all these things to bring the people in. And then they got there and then we preach the gospel to them. We preach biblical truth to them that I'm fine with it. The problem is, is most of the time we bring them there through these means that don't have anything to do with God. And then we're scared to give them the gospel because we're scared people will leave or, or they, they will feel rejected or whatever. And so for me, I feel like the, 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 sort of, the sort of, not balanced, but the sort of like, the thing we've lost confidence in is this. Like We we feel like that we have something to do with bringing people in. Now, listen, be creative, use social media, use all sorts of outreach techniques. I'm fine with it. Let's get in front of the people. But I think one of the things we do in the church, and I think the legalistic side and the gathering, you know, seeker sensitive water downside both get this thing wrong. Um, it misses what the middle really should be doing. We're supposed to be making disciples who make disciples. And I think the sort of consumeristic like um, idea that we come to church to get something rather than to be equipped to go give something, I think that is kind of at the root of it. Like the idea that if you are in fact a Christian, um, you should be making disciples. You should be making disciples in the workplace. And I feel like just that sort of posture towards the people of our church in our preaching we'll see real healthy church growth because everyone expects pastor john to invite him to church you're the pastor but it's different when the person is living out their faith in reality not pretending but they're actually walking out christ at their workplace and then they share the goodness of god with people Mm -hmm. people want to connect with that
0: No, that's really, that's really good. You know, I was with uh, Gary Wilkerson. We were talking a few weeks, a few weeks ago. And uh, as we were, we were sharing, uh, he had brought up a passage out of Jeremiah, which is, you know, God's word is like wheat that feeds. It's like a fire that burns and a hammer that crushes. And getting those in right perspective is that when, when the word, when you're feeding on the word, then it brings a fire. And when that fire starts to burn, then there's a hammer, but the hammer isn't a judgmental or legalistic hammer. It, it's a it's a it's a hammer that brings life. It's it's repentance and it's turning to God. But when when people are feeding on God's word. And it produces a spiritual fire, not a fake fire, but a real fire in their hearts. And now they become soul winners because the hammer, you know, and we we want to see a revival in our nation, but we have to get this right. And um, getting, preaching God's word is so vital. You know, uh, Joshua, I'd have people come to our church and you, you, you've been there. So you've seen, we had exponential growth at the church. God did great things, but I was determined we are never going to go the path of easy Believism. we are going to make disciples and the church growth that we had was based on making disciples and so that was that was just a a, a cornerstone of of how of, of how we did things i had people that would come to the church and they would say pastor like finally a church that preaches the word of god like there were so many so many churches that you would go and it would just be a verse with a thought that would come up with an idea that somebody had that was creative and it would uh, be practical, but it wasn't really the word. And listen, I believe that the word is practical and it's powerful, but it, it is in the context of this is God's word. So when you are preaching God's word and you're speaking it and you're helping people to understand in it and understand it and you're explaining it in a way that they can go and walk it out. Listen, now you've got the, the salvation experience, right? The seed is planted and now you're helping it to grow. That 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 wheat is gonna turn into a fire.
1: No doubt about and it. And that
0: fire is gonna bring a hammer from heaven. And that hammer is going to be what brings an awakening. And we have to get back to biblical discipleship no Amen. doubt about it so, you're,
1: you're singing my song i think one of the biggest things that you said it it really is the truth though when it comes to practical just practicality there's people that use the bible as a launching off pad to to say a bunch of practical things <laughs> and some of those practical things actually are Beneficial to your life, but they're but they're not things that, that change your heart. They're not things Amen. that have eternal value. They're <coughs> not things that really. Here's the biggest. When I used to pastor at Teen Challenge, I would always tell my staff, "We're not here to answer the questions they have. We will address those." We need to answer the questions we know they need answered so it's like sometimes people are saying why is this going wrong in my life or that going wrong in my life it's a surface thing and we're always aiming at at the root we're always aiming at you know the the most important thing because what we know is is if this question gets answered it's going, to, it's going to change all those other things. And I think a lot of times today in churches, we run around trying to cut apples off of an apple tree and keep it pruned instead of saying the solution is actually to uproot an old tree and to plant a new tree. And only the word of God does that. The last thing mm-hmm. I'll say is this. A lot of times the reason that people aren't going and making disciples from our church is because we, it's hard to be convincing if you're not convinced. And so if we don't preach the word of God in a clear and concise way, then why would we expect them to? And, and, we, and we do it sometimes out of um, the faulty notion that we don't want to be too heavy or too hard. But we have to let the word of God do its own work. It's That's where the power is. It's yeah. the word of God preached under the anointing of the spirit of God. Now, of course, we want to take that. Those weighty things and uh, practically apply them to people's lives, but if we're practically applying things to people's lives that don't that don't run back to the root system of of life, yeah. then we're really just giving. We might actually be giving them temporal solutions, but it's not going to change their heart. It's not going to change their life. And those type of people, while they may be more happy and well adjusted, they're not they're 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 not living for God and they're not going out and being witnesses for God. For me, that is the biggest. Place I've seen multiplication happen is when 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 people are convinced and they're and and then because of that they're convincing. What did Jesus say? It's from the abundance of the heart. That's right. The mouth speaks.
0: That's faith. That's so. Faith. Let me ask you a question. What's your favorite kind of pie?
1: My favorite kind of pie. Well, that's, <laughs> since I love sweets, that's probably a, a, a big question. But I would say
0: probably a pecan pie. Okay. So if you were sick and you went to the doctors. And you get to the doctor's and he goes, you know what? I'm going to give you a slice of pecan pie. You'd be like, (laughs) well, man, I like it. But that is not going to help me get right," right, right? You hope that you go to the doctor. So he's going to give you the medicine that is going to help you to get right. <laughs> right. And what happens, what has happened in the church is everybody is going to church to get a slice of pecan pie.
1: No doubt about it. That's and they're a great not
0: analogy. getting what they need. And as biblical pastors, if we are going to make biblical disciples, it means that sometimes we're going to give them the things, we're going to give them a slice of pecan pie every now and again. But we also need to be able to give them the medicine that they need that is going to help the condition of their heart to grow no doubt about it so my next question is this so we got seed right people are growing listen the discipleship process is never complete until you're sharing your faith right so now as people are coming through and they're growing as disciples uh, what i I heard this when when I was a young uh, young christian you're you're either a mission field or you're a missionary. <laughs> and so right. at some point here as you're growing, you come to the place of sharing your faith. Just maybe share a little bit of how we can in our churches make some um some places available for people to walk through so now they are sharing their faith in real ways. How, how do you do that as a pastor leader because that really ultimately, is what disciple the end of discipleship? Is now taking the work that Jesus has done in your heart and sharing it with other people? Well,
1: I think you know this may sound. I don't want this to sound um, the wrong way because it could be taken. Sometimes the word leadership is is so overused. You know, we want mm-hmm. leadership and leaders amongst leaders, and, and we have this sort of secular view of leadership. But within the church, there really should be this this sort of really. People being made to be leaders And I think it starts with this We are all the leaders of our home right mm-hmm. there there's a there's a mechanism for discipleship that every mother and father has that our home is a place where where God is worshiped and God is praised and, and we disciple our children and i think that 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 sort of attitude i think uh, this may not answer your question but i think when we preach salvation apart from um following jesus like there's such a thing mm-hmm. you won't find it in the bible and so i think that you know there could and you're probably even better about talking about practical ways the church could do it but for me it has to be about this this idea that we're that there aren't there aren't just consumers in the church everybody's yeah. expected to be a functioning member of the body and i think that's what paul was talking about it's like we're not all exactly doing the same things you know joe so-and-so may not, he's not going to be a pastor. He may not be the next missionary, but like you said, he's either going to be a missionary or a mission filled. And so either we're facilitating or we're doing, but I think we have to realize, I think if we preach Christian discipleship as a unified body, um, and, and like I said, you could probably give them some practical ways that churches can do that. But when it's just about, here's a bunch of high-minded stuff, see you next week. I think if we're not if we're not commissioning people in real ways to go meet the world for Christ, Amen. then we're really failing. It it has to be proclamation that said, and now let's go do this. And of course churches plan events and but I think it has more to do with with empowering and equipping disciples to go be leader in their sphere of life. And I think we have to think about there I always used to say this when I was a pastor, there's no one in here who calls Christ their Savior who is not an evangelist to some extent. People well, are looking at you. If you hold the banner up of Christian, people are looking at you, and, and they don't need you to have an answer for every theological question. They need to see a person whose faith actually informs their life and are willing to tell other people about it.
0: Praise God. that That is awesome. I, as you were talking you know, uh, of not separating salvation from sharing your faith. I, I thought of the woman at the well and literally the day that she comes <laughs> right. to Christ, you know, no disciple, you know, she didn't have to go through like the 12 steps of being a disciple. Go to so Bible you can college, hey, you see in a few months. Hey man, I came to know Jesus. And literally she brings out her entire city. I think she's noted by, by many people as the first missionary in, 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 in the New Testament. So, you know, Praise God. Um, I hope this has been helpful for pastors and leaders, and it definitely should at least provoke conversation uh, and how we can be effective in making disciples. I think that this is maybe one of the great challenges of our day in the Western world, uh, specifically in America, of we, we need to be making true biblical disciples. And it starts with how you plant the seed, how the tree grows, and then uh, letting that flourish to where you're impacting the lives of others. And listen, if that ever happens in a church, if that ever happens in a ministry, that is the move of God that we pray for. And it will only come as a result of making true Biblical disciples. Amen. I'm going to pray for you, Father God. I pray for pastors and leaders that are watching today. And we ask you, God, Lord, for a move of God in America. We pray, God, that there would be a spiritual awakening. And Lord, around the world, I thank you, God, for World Challenge and Lord, for Gary Wilkerson and for uh, Joshua West. And Lord, as we are speaking, Lord, we want to be the tip of the spear and seeing a move of God in the world that we live in. And God, I pray, Lord, that you would help us to make biblical disciples. Lord, that have have lives that have been transformed and that are out speaking this word, Lord, to a generation that's lost and broken. Lord, help us in our weakness. And I pray, Lord, that you would uh, help us to flourish in these last days. And uh, we pray it in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. 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 Pastor Joshua West, thank you for being with us today. And thank you for joining us here on Leader to Leader with Pastor John Bailey. Uh, check, uh, you know, uh, tune in next week and you get a chance to share this with a pastor or leader that you know. Uh, I believe that they'll be very blessed. God bless you and have a great day.